Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class. Last time, and I'm sure you all remember, we did Verrazano, the first European to sail the eastern coast of the United States and up into Canada. Today, we're going to do the first Frenchman to sail for France because you remember Verrazano was Italian. And this man's name is, and here we go with my East Texas friends, Jacqua Cartier. Cartier, we'll just go by his last name. That's easier for us East Texans. Now, what he's going to do is this. He is going to be ordered, suggested by Francis, King of France, to go to the New World and find the Northwest Passage. Now, I don't think they call it the Northwest Passage, but that's what it is in history. Now, I want to remind you of something that I don't know if I made a big deal out of or not. But starting with Columbus, when he discovered what we now know is America, it was not Asia. And they believed the Lord would not be so cruel as to put a continent between them and the riches of Asia without providing an opening, a watery opening that they could sail through. They knew it was there. All you had to do was find it. So, Cartier is going to sail to the New World to find this passage that we're just going to call the Northwest Passage. Now, there's no need to go where Verrazano had been. Why in the world would you keep repeating the same thing? And so he's going to make a northern voyage. Now, a northern voyage has good news and bad news. The good news is that if you look at a map of the world, or if you are as smart as Nicholas, you know what the world looks like, and you picture France on the eastern side of the Atlantic, and Canada on the western side of the Atlantic. And if you look and see the routes that Columbus took, that's a long ways, podcasters. About two months. I want to remind you of something. Every day you spent on the ocean was a day you spent skirting death. That was the most dangerous thing that you could do in those days, except maybe go to war. If you go a northern route, you cut the time down dramatically. About three weeks. And so he's going to take a northern route about three weeks. Now here's the bad news. It's the northern route. You know what happened, podcasters, to the Titanic. What sank it was an iceberg. And so if you're going to make a northern route to the New World, then you have to get over to the New World and back to France before the winter comes. And you better be mindful of that. So with all of that, Cartier takes off in 1534, in April. He makes a good crossing, and he comes into Newfoundland. Now, I'm going to tell you where he comes into Newfoundland. If you look at the map, he comes in the northern part, and what you see there, you see a river, a river, a watery opening between the continents. Oh, can you imagine the joy, J-O-Y, joy, people. He comes sailing down that river, and he names it. 
he named it the St. Lawrence. Now I'm going to mention St. Lawrence just for a moment because we're all Texans. Well, many of us are Texans and we like the barbecue. St. Lawrence got in trouble with the church when he gave the treasures away to the poor and he's going to be slowly roasted alive. Or, as some would say, he's going to be barbecued. And, according to legend, before he died, he told those people watching, you might as well turn me over, I'm done on this side. And for whatever reason, Cartier named the river for St. Lawrence. He is now the Saint of Cooks, or if you're barbecuing, the Saint of Barbecue. He comes sailing down the St. Lawrence with his heart beating as fast as a child on Christmas morning. And now here is a Jeopardy question. We'll make it a final Jeopardy question. That I think those contestants should be very smart to know. Who was the first European to sail the backside, the western side of Newfoundland? And that was, you know, come on. Come on, Jennifer. You know it was Cartier. He named the St. Lawrence. He also named Canada, Canada. And what it meant was settlement. He comes down the St. Lawrence believing that is the passage. And then look at that map and the large, the opening is getting wider and wider. Oh my gosh, podcasters. The man is so excited. And he knows two things go through his mind at once. First off, I better claim this passage for France. And I better get back to France before the winter sets in so I can get more ships and make it all the way to China. He comes ashore at the Gaspé Peninsula. They set up a 30-foot tall cross. They get around to start a what we would call a religious service to claim this. And here come about 200 all right, we're going to call them Indians. Remember the first one, Indians? Native American Indians. And the tribe is, now if you look this up, if you, if you, if you look this up on the internet, they're going to, I think they're going to be right. The tribe are the Huron, H-U-R-O-N. Podcasters, if you become a history major and you read about the early wars between the French and the English, you're going to read about the Huron. This is a very important tribe in French and American history. Now, I'm going to say somehow, somehow, the leader of the Huron somehow is going to ask Cartier something. They're going to chit-chat a little bit. The leader of the Huron was an Indian by the name of Donna Connor. It's easy to spell. Donna and then Connor. D-O-N-N-A, C-O-N-N-A, Donna Connor. And somehow, and in reading these biographies on these Frenchmen over here, they had developed a form of pig Latin. That's what it's pig Latin. Somehow they can communicate. And somehow Donna Connor got across to Cartier the question, what do you think you're doing? And when I say that, because you could see things that were going on. You could see the cross. You could see men kneeling as in prayer. And somehow Cartier said to Donna Connor, 
I don't think I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm claiming this land for France. And somehow Donna Connor says, you can't do that. That land belongs to us. And Cartier says to Donna Connor, look and see what I have in these trunks for you. All podcasters, you did not go to North America if you did not bring trunks. And in those trunks were things that Indians loved. What were they? Red blankets. Glass beads. Caps. C-A-P-S. Caps. What Indian would not want a cap? And I'm going to tell you one more thing that the Indians were wild about. Now what I want you to try to do is I want you to try, when I name this, I want you to try to imagine you have never seen one in your life. Now I want you to do it. Do what? Try to imagine that you have never seen, here we go, you ready? A mirror. A mirror. Can you imagine the first time that you looked at yourself in a piece of glass and you saw yourself? Podcasters, I cannot find the right adjective to describe the joy of those Indians looking at themselves the first time. Although I have a feeling that some of them were frightened. And I tell you this, it makes it a lot better for putting on war paint. Mirrors. And there was one more thing. All podcasters, I don't know if you could imagine the joy the first time an Indian heard a bell. A bell. Ding dong. Ding dong. Ding dong. Oh, they loved those podcasters. They loved those bells. Yes, they did. So, by doing that, Donna Connor has found a treasure beyond his wildest dreams. And then Cartier got to thinking, wouldn't it be nice if I had a translator? A translator? Podcasters, it seems that the translator is not really needy. They're going about these conversations pretty easily, but by gosh, if you had a translator. And so, he somehow asked Donna Connor, how would you like it if I took your two sons, I believe those are the ones over there, I can tell by the way you were talking to them, that's your sons, are they not? Oh, yes, they are. Those are my sons. And what are their names? Ah, uh, Tagnogaya. And... Donagaya, Damagaya, Taglugaya. That's my East Texan. How old were they? Ah, uh, 16-ish, 18-ish, 20-ish. Donagaya, what if those two boys of yours came back to France with me? A French vacation. I'll show him Paris. What are you going to give me if I let you take my two sons all the way to a land I've never heard of, across an ocean I can't even imagine? Come down to the ship. Took them down to the ship, and my gosh, podcasters, there were trunks of blankets and bells. Oh, Donna Connor. Mm, yes, yes. He went back and he told his two boys, you remember this morning when you told Mother, oh, I will see you after a while? 
Well, after a while, it's going to be extended for a while because I have made a deal. You're going with this man that we've never seen in our lives. Might as well be a Martian as far as I'm concerned to a land that I've never heard of. We'll just call it Mars because Daddy has made a deal. Podcast just those two boys were excited. Now, I hate to tell you this, but these Indians seem to bathe only when they happen to fall in the St. Lawrence River. Older. The Frenchman took those two boys down into the cargo hold of that ship and they bathed them. And I want you to get a bath. You don't want to get back into that dirty bear skin. So they gave them French clothing. When they came back on deck, all the other Huron were sitting in those canoes just waiting to see what had happened. And those two French, those two Huron boys were as proud to walk around in that French clothing. Oh my gosh, they showed them. See this? This is a shirt. You haven't got a shirt. You know why you haven't got a shirt? Because you're not going to France and we are. You see these trousers? You got no trousers. You got a bear skin. You got dirty old bear skins. You know why we got trousers and you don't? Because we're going to France and you're not. Off they went. Podcasters, it was a miracle that those Indians did not die. All of the diseases that wiped out thousands and thousands of Indians, not only did they make it across to France, they didn't die in France either. And Cartier had promised Donna Connor, I'm going to bring them back safe and sound. And so he gets about three ships and he comes back on a second voyage. Second voyage is in 1535. And as he's coming down the St. Lawrence, he looks down and he sees hundreds of canoes coming toward him. And in the lead canoe is none other than Donna Connor. And Donna Connor and those canoes see those ships, these ships weigh tons. Although I have to mention, a ton at that time did not mean weight. It meant how many wine casks you could put on a ship. But as far as I'm concerned, you could kind of imagine it was a tonnage. And here is Donna Connor in a canoe, and he put his hands up for Cartier and that ship to stop right where you are. Stop. Now, how can I not wonder what would have happened if he couldn't have stopped that ship? Can you imagine trying to stop one of those ships on a dime? You're not stopping on a dime. You may stop it on a hundred dimes, but you're not going to stop it on a dime. Somehow those ships stopped, and Donna Connor comes ashore, and using pig Latin and everything else, he says to Cartier, where are the boys? Hmm? And those two boys of Donna Connor came running out, and they told Donna Connor, you see these people? You see these Frenchmen? They are the finest people. You don't ever want to imagine anyone that could be finer than these. We have been to Paris. And podcasters, I cannot imagine what French sailors would have shown teenage 
Indian boys in Paris. But they showed it to him. Oh, Donna Connor is so happy. And there's Cartier standing there. And the podcast is we can learn from history. So sometime when you get a present or someone does something for you that is just so kind and so wonderful and you just cannot find the words to thank them, do it the Huron way. And so Don O'Connor, when he saw his two sons were alive and healthy, how do you express the thank you for a European vacation to the man who was responsible? He picked one of Cartier's arms up and held it out and rubbed it. Then he put that one down and he picked the other arm up. You grabbed him at the wrist and he rubbed that one. And then he gave him a bear hug, which I do not think Cartier liked because Donna Connor is wearing a filthy old bear skin. And so what would you call this? Apparently with two boys, we got a one arm rub. Thank you for each one. And then a big old bear hug. And Donna Connor said, come with me, come down to where I live, and you can have whatever you want. And they go down to St. Lawrence, and where Donna Connor lives is where we will now call Quebec, although it's not Quebec then. My podcast is, if this were a classroom, I would have drawn on the board, and you would see that not only, not only does Mr. Stroud know a little bit about history, he can draw. I bet you Courtney's drawing. They lived in forts, podcasters. In forts. They come into the fort. Whatever you want. Well, we're going to build us some cabins. But first, what I want is this. I want you to take us down to St. Lawrence with your guides. And I want to go to where there's a big watery opening. So we're not going to say the ocean. We're not going to do that. You're an Indian. Lots of water. And Donna Connor says, no. We'll not take you anywhere down this river. Wait a second. You said anything I want. I want to go down this river. I'm not going to take you down that river because I love you too much. What? Down the river are the meanest Indians you hope you never do run into. They will kill and they will scalp you and they don't even say how do you do or introduce themselves. I love you too much. You cannot go down that river. And Cartier says, I'm going down that river. Did you notice any cannons on those ships? I'm not worried about those Indians. Donna kind of said, when are you going? Well, I'm going in the morning. The next morning, as the ships got ready to go down river, Donna Connor comes running out to the edge of the water and he's screaming his heads off, River Devils, River Devils, the River Devils are here. Cartier looked, and there's a canoe coming straight toward him. And there are River Devils in that canoe. Now, it's easy to confuse the River Devils with Huron that had dirty bear skins thrown over their heads and paddling toward them. And they pedal alongside the, the ships. 
looking as mean as they could. And Donna Connors just a screaming, River Devils, River Devils, you can't go down that river. You can't go down that river. There's going to be storms and everything down that river. And Cartier and those Frenchmen are laughing podcasters. You see that river devil there? That looks a whole lot like a little Huron with a mean face. And then Donna Connor stopped jumping around. And he said, you going down that river? Yes. And Donna Connor grinned and said, Cartier, did you believe those are actually river devils? No. Oh, I was just trying to play a trick on you. You're not going down that river, are you? Yes, I am. Off Cartier goes, coming down the St. Lawrence. Then it started getting narrow. And where it got narrow, we would just call Montreal. And there are more Huron down there. They have come running out to greet them. And they're throwing one of their prized possessions onto the ships. They're throwing cornbread. It's raining cornbread, podcasters. And then when Cartier got off, he gets the same gift that Cortez got. He gets a young girl. All right, podcasters, I'm going to tell you. If you got some, he gets a young girl. How young? About 12. Wait a moment. One of the things that, what is the right word? It annoys me. Pet peeve. You got a pet peeve, podcasters? It's when people think that things have always been the way they are now. In those days, a 12-year-old girl in Europe can get married. The the Indian, a 14-year-old girl, should be married. We don't know if she was 12, 14, Thank you. He gave her to the cabin boy. And then they take him into their fort. And as the Frenchman walked in, Huron come walking out. Women carrying babies. And they walk up to the Frenchman and they hold the babies in the face of the Frenchman. They shove them up there. The podcaster, if you see someone you've never seen before and that woman has a baby and shoves that baby in front of your face, what are you going to do? Well, the French didn't know what else to do, so they kind of patted the little baby on the head and that pleased them. And then they shove another one up there. And what we think they were doing is having these Frenchmen bless them. And then they took Cartier and his French sailors to the center of the fort and they sat down. And here come sick, lame, walking Indians. And the Frenchmen are given hand gestures that they're to heal them. They didn't know what to do. They touched their eyes. They touched their arms. They prayed for them. And then what appeared to be the leader of the Huron comes out. He's blind. Cartier touches his eyes and says a prayer. What else can he do? The Huron leader was not cured. He could not see. But he said in Pig Latin, thanks for giving it a try. 
And then Huron asked Cartier, What is it you want? Why are you here? And Cartier said, I'm here because I'm looking for a watery opening. I'm looking for the water that is so huge, a huge amount of water. See, why don't they just say I'm looking for an ocean? Oh, they said, I know exactly what you're talking about. Not far from where we are right now, there is a huge amount of water. Oh, podcasters. Podcasters. You can't imagine Cartier's joy. Because dancing Cartier's head is the Pacific. The Pacific. The Pacific to be Pacific. But what the Euron is saying is the Great Lakes. Great Lakes. Pacific. Great Lakes. Kuglan Luke. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Well, Cartier says, we want some guys to take us there. And the Hurons say, we're not going to take you there because we love you too much. What? Mean Indians. Hit you on the head and scalp you without even saying how do you do. We're not going to take you down there. Cartier now feels a little chill in the air. Winter's coming. A Canadian winter. Not Kilgore winter. Not a Dallas winter. A Canadian winter. So, he and his Frenchmen go back up to where Donacana's camp is, and they're going to spend the winter there. They're going to experience a winter like they have never experienced a winter before. They won't live with Donacana, but they build some cabins not far from Donacana. And here comes the winner. Podcasters. Have any of you been to Canada in the wintertime? Well, my brother did. Now, my brother lives in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and sometimes we'll talk on the phone in the wintertime, and he will ask me, what's the temperature down there in Kilgore in January? Oh, I would say, brother, it's cold. Ooh, it's cold. We got down to 31 degrees. And he'll laugh. He said, up here, we're hoping to get up. Our high will be at minus 31. Well, podcasters, one Christmas, for reasons I don't remember, he went to Canada for Christmas, and he was in Quebec. And he told me, it's cold up here. Cold up there? Cold up there? You were from La Crosse and it's cold in Quebec? The St. Lawrence River would freeze for six months. Freeze for six months? Solid. How did those Indians survive? And so while they were up there, during that winter... Donna Connor comes to visit. And they say hello to each other. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And Cartier says, well, we're not doing so well. We have sick Frenchmen. They're not just sick. They are dying. 
and what they're dying of. I'm going to remind you, when we talked about Columbus, scurvy. Oh, they could see it. Remember the signs? Arms and legs swell, gums start bleeding, color blind. Oh, remember? Night blindness. Oh, Donna Connor says, we get that all the time. What? We get that all the time, but we cure it. What? You have a cure for scurvy? Because that's what that is. We cure it all the time. How? Well, you see, we go out into the woods, and there is a tree. It is a magic tree. And we get some bark off that magic tree. And we mix it with a little potion, and we drink it three or four times a day, and we are cured. Take us to that tree. Okay. Podcasters. At this time, Cartier had 110 men. All of them, except 10, were in various stage of dying from scurvy. Some had just gotten it, some were almost dead. There were only 10 men that could go with them. So off they go. They go walking through the Canadian woods until they come to a tree that looks like every tree that they have passed. It looks like every tree that's around this tree. It looks like all the other trees. And Cartier said, is this the magic tree? Yes. Why is this tree different from the others? Because it's magic and those others are not. Ask a stupid question. Get some bark. They got some bark off. They go back. They mix this little potion. And all you got to do now is drink it. Podcasters, I'm going to ask you something. If you were dying, and you were in pain, and you had a cup of something that was so terrible, you'd have to hold your nose to even think about drinking it. But it saved your life. Would you drink it? Gulp it down? Would you believe that some of the Frenchmen said, I would rather die than drink that mess. And they did not drink it, and they died. Most of them said, I'd rather drink that mess than die, and they drank it. And podcasters, they felt immediate improvement, and they survived. I want to tell you, how do we know now, this just isn't some story that Cartier made up to impress the Frenchman. Well, I'm going to tell you how we know that. We know that because anyone that had gone through this and gone back to France and told them that story, I want to use a modern phrase. You can't make this stuff up. The way I know is the man that wrote about these voyages. Samuel Elliot Morrison, he did a biography of Champlain. I'm excuse me, he did a biography. And when they report this, 
He doesn't laugh out loud. He does not say, can you... After a while, some more got sick. Scurvy hit them again. They did not walk. They ran back to that magic tree. And they not only took off the bark, they brought that tree back. After all, it could happen again. We got it right here. They mixed up that portion, and those that drank it may save their lives. Now, I got ahead of myself a while ago. They do tell this story, and from then on, when Frenchmen came to America and they got scurvy, they would go out and try to find that magic tree, but apparently there was only one. They were gnawing the bark off every tree in Canada. But I want to tell you, no one does not believe that Cartier and his men found a cure for scurvy. I have no idea what it was. Some of you probably do. But I know since vitamin C is important, it may have been a concoction that had vitamin C in it. Now that we have a cure for scurvy, we got time for chit-chat. And Donna Connor says to them, he asked a question. He asked the Cartier and the Frenchman, do Frenchmen care anything about gold? Gold. Cartier's hands started shaking. Gold? Yes, Donna Connor said. Gold? You have any gold, Donna Connor? Well, we don't have it in my little camp down there, but it's not far from here. There is a kingdom to the north where there's plenty of gold just all over the ground. And Cartier said, Are there any diamonds? Well, yes, diamonds as big as huge rocks. The golden diamonds to a kingdom to the north? Yes. Why did you tell us this before? You didn't ask. You have to ask. Take us there. No. Is this where those mean Indians live? No. These Indians could not hurt you if they wanted to. Why not? Well, they're only about a foot tall. Now, I know he didn't say foot, but about a foot tall. They're little bitty things. Indians about a foot tall? Yes. And they only got one leg. One-legged Indians? Yes, that's the way they're born. How do they walk? Well, they hop. Hop. They have the biggest foot you've ever seen. And they hop around. And when the rain comes, they sit down and tow that foot over their head. And it's an umbrella. An umbrella. Podcasters, if you can somehow get a book by Samuel Elliott Morrison called The Northern Voyages, and you look through there, you will see a drawing of one of these. This creature sitting there on the ground with a big foot over his head. Well, Cartier said, now that we're on these questions and answers, how long does it take them to get anywhere if they just hop around and they have to stop in the rain? And Donna Connor says, you stupid Frenchman, I cannot believe how ignorant you are. They don't hop around unless they're on the ground. When they get in a hurry, they fly through the air. 
fly. They fly through the air like buzzards and eagles. They only hop around on the ground when they're on the ground. And there's gold and there's diamonds up there. Podcasters, what part of that story do you think excited Cartier the most? Oh, he said, we're going to have more gold and diamonds than Cortez. Cortez, they all knew about Cortez. And someone said to Cartier, a Frenchman said, what's the French king going to think when you tell them about little one-footed creatures flying through the air? Well, Cartier said he may not believe me, but he'll believe Donna Connor. We're going to take Donna Connor back. He said he don't want to go. Well, what he wants to do and what he does do are two different things. And what they decided to do was they planned a kidnapping, podcasters. Remember how excited Donna Connor gets and every time we think about giving him something, which comes after we claim land? Well, we're going to tell him that we're going to claim some more land, and that means giving away stuff, and he'll be on the front row. And so they do that, and Donna Connor and his two sons are on the front row, just grinning from ear to ear. And with a prearranged signal, somehow, they grab Donna Connor and his two boys, they get them on the ship, and off they go to Paris. When they got back, the two boys jumped off that ship as soon as they got into that dock, and they took off in Paris, and they were never seen again. I cannot imagine where they went, but they knew the language. They'd been to Paris. Donna Connor was taken to the French king. And Cartier said, tell him what you told me. And Donna Connor looked at that French king and said, you like gold? That French king's hand started to twitch. Fingers moving. You like diamonds. And Francis said, are there any spices there? Oh, spices. Barrels and barrels. Cartel, you didn't tell me about spices. You've got to ask. There's gold and there's diamonds and there's spices and it's just all over the ground. Well, unfortunately, they happen to be in a little war. Can't go right now. As soon as the war is over, we're going to get you going. And Donna Connor podcasters became the hit of Paris. Whenever the king threw a party, the keynote comedian, the after-dinner speaker, whatever you want, here comes Donna Connor. And he would come out and he'd look at those French and he would say to them, you like gold. And those French fingers would start to twitch. Oh. Someone once asked the king, Do you believe that savage? Do you believe him? And the king says, I know he's telling the truth. How do you know that? Well, one evening when he was right in the most difficult part of the story to believe, the one-footed creatures flying through the air, I walked up to him without warning and said, Donna Connor, are you lying to me? Because if you were lying to me, I'm going to roast you alive. You understand? And he looked right in my eyes without writhing, and he said, 
I'm not lying to you. And right then, we had every word that he had said written down, and it was notarized. Notarized, podcasters. A notary public. Notarized. Well, after about six months of this, Donna Connor died. Some sickness, something. They eventually go back to get all the gold and all the diamonds. When they got back to the Huron and there was no Donna Connor and no other sons, they get kind of a cold reception. But you know what, podcasters? They do not find the one-legged people flying around but buying gold and diamonds. And they loaded tons of that on those ships and they brought it back. Oh, he is a hero. He's got the gold, he's got the diamonds, no one-legged Indians flying around, but the gold and the diamonds. They put it in a warehouse and they lock it up. Rumors. Nasty rumors. Rumors? Cartier didn't find any gold. Oh, well, yes, he did. He found gold. Well, well, yes, he did. He found fool's gold. And those diamonds? Crystal. No, it's not. Well, after Cartier died in 1557, they unlocked the warehouse and they tested it. And they were right. It was gold, fool's gold, iron pyrite. Podcasters, why do you think they call it fool's gold? I'm going to tell you a story. I don't want to leave this podcast. Do you understand? It's between you and me. Do not tell anyone. Okay? When I was in about the fourth grade, I came home from Gaston. And I showed my mother some gold that I bought from a friend. Had a little chunk of gold in my hand. And I paid a dime for that gold. A dime. And my mother set me down. And she said, that is not gold. That's iron pyrite. And they call it fool's gold because that's what it looks like. It will fool you. Now, we're not talking, you know, about gold in a jewelry store. It will fool you. The diamonds, crystal. So now in Canada, the crystal's called Cartier Diamonds. Cartier Diamonds. Now, here they have tons of iron pyrite crystal. I guess it's worthless unless you find someone like me that will give you a dime for it. So what do they do with it? You drive along the highways and byways, ever hit a pothole? They had potholes then. And they gave that stuff over to the Parisian Highway Department and they used it to fill up potholes. And so if you get to go to Paris... And you're riding around below your tires will be Cartier diamonds. And that's the end of Cartier.
Now, what was the importance of Cartier? The way the Europeans made up the land-claiming game in those days was this. If you were the first to an land that had not been claimed by another European, then it's yours to claim. But you really needed to get into the interior. Verrazano sailed along the eastern coast, but that wasn't good enough. He's the first Frenchman that got into the interior, and he claims Canada for the French. And that was the end of Cartier, and that's the end of Mr. Stroud's history class for today.